You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Tuesday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic out there wherever you might be. Plenty to get to ahead on today's episode of Locked On Cougars. We're going to talk conference expansion. Oh yes, it is that time of the year. Pretty respected national writer had a very interesting take on BYU and their relationship with the Pac-12. We'll examine that. We'll also continue with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. Looking at 1946, the post-war era for BYU football. How did the Cougars do in their return to the gridiron after three seasons away? We'll also catch you up on everything else going on in BYU sports news as well. So plenty to get to ahead on today's show. It's all brought to you today by our good friends with the Locked On Today podcast. Get all of the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow Locked On Today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's dive in. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 18th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking some time to join us on your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU with the Locked On Cougars podcast. Reminder for you guys, hit that follow button wherever you're listening in from, but also listening to this podcast as simple as using your voice. And what I mean by that is tell your smart device, smartphone, smart speaker, no matter what it is, play podcast Locked On Cougars, and magically, we'll be right there for you guys. Also, if you guys are interested, this is the time of the year. If you'd like to get in as a sponsor here on Locked On Cougars, reach out. We'd love to have you guys on board. We have proven track records with multiple companies, both large and small, when it comes to advertising in this podcast sphere. We can get you in the earbuds, the earballs, whatever you want to term it. We can get you in the ears of Cougar fans, both locally here along the Wasatch Front and even nationally and in some cases internationally. So if you have a brand, a company, a product you'd like to advertise, love to have you guys be a part of the Locked On Cougars podcast and email us for more information at LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. All right, on to business here, talking to BYU sports today. And of course, we are in mid-May, so obviously this is the inevitable time of the offseason season when conference expansion rumors pop up. Oh yes, this is like catnip for BYU fans, right? Well, let's talk a little bit about an interesting article that I read. Pete Futak writes for the collegefootballnews.com, a nationally uh, respected writer, a guy who I've had on my radio show. I think I've also had him on this podcast, if I recall. Maybe not, but it might be just me dreaming that. We'll have him on at some point, if not. But nonetheless, he wrote a very interesting article in the aftermath of the Pac-12 announcing the hire of George Klyovkov as their new Pac-12 commissioner. Now, Klyovkov comes in with a lot on his plate. There's no doubt about that. He's got to come in, begin immediately almost, trying to get the Pac-12 settled. Also has to begin, I guess, those preliminary uh, discussions with regards to their upcoming media rights deal. But in his introductory press conference, he hit on a lot of different things. He said he's planning on moving to San Francisco, but his background, living in the Las Vegas area, working with the MGM Resorts Company, the MGM Grand and all that stuff, 
makes me believe that Las Vegas is going to be an even bigger part, maybe the epicenter of the Pac-12 moving forward. He also talked a little bit about what's going on with the college football playoff. Uh, he thinks it's going to be expanded in the relatively near future. He is a proponent for that. But he also uh, talked a little bit about what's going to go on with the Pac-12 as a conference. And inevitably, the future of the Pac-12 is going to be a topic that comes up. And that's where Pete Futak wrote about this. He talked about expansion. So the topic has been shockingly dormant for way too long. Yeah, the Pac-12 might look into being bigger, better, and stronger as a conference and as a business. He adds, that's very, very cool. So let's do this. Let's figure out what 10 schools make the most expansion sense so the conference can finally move away from pretending to be excited about playing its football games after dark. Now, that's the interesting part here is he has got 10 teams. Of course, he kicks it off with the 10 schools the Pac-12 should have on the table if it really does want to expand. And at number 10, right away, BYU. As he notes, in the U.S. News and World Report University rankings, BYU comes in at number 80. The Pac-12 is very, very insistent on academic prowess when it comes to its member schools. The enrollment, as he mentions, 34,395 students. Seems a little bit high considering I think BYU dipped a little bit the last few years in terms of their enrollment. I could be wrong on that. And also adds that the media market size is number 30. Now, as he mentions about BYU, we'll read what he says about talk about the Cougars, and then I will respond shortly after that. He says, Pac-12 expansion fit. Business-wise, it's perfect. I think we completely agree. BYU brings fans from all over, especially throughout the Pac-12 footprint. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, whether they're ardent BYU fans, die-hard, dyed-in-the-wool BYU Cougar fans, or just have a connection to the school via their faith, they show up when BYU plays near them. Plain and simple, they do. It's true. He adds this, it's a huge school with an international following. Quick tip, never use the word passionate when it comes to sports business. Fans are brand loyal customers that's going to watch every single second of every single big football and basketball game, which is exactly what BYU fans are. They are brand loyal. I know many of you out there probably could tell me that you don't necessarily care about other sports and other teams to the same level that you care about BYU. And honestly, I commend you for that. I'm a guy who has a varied interest in many different sports as part of it due to what I do for my day job working for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City. Of course, we are the flagship station for Utah State football and basketball as well as the Utah Jazz who own us. But nonetheless, I have a varied interest, but I think many BYU fans, many of you out there listening to this can acknowledge, yes, you are brand loyal to BYU. You like college football to a degree, you like college basketball to a degree, but it's not the same level as it is for BYU, and it comes with other sports as well. I think it's absolutely a very good point made there by Pete Futak. He continues, the greater Salt Lake City TV market is fine, the natural rivalry with Utah is outstanding, and the teams are good enough to make the sports side of the league stronger. Absolutely agree. Then he says, but there's a gigantic however. The church-owned and operated aspect to BYU is a concern for a whole slew of reasons. It's not a public school, no sports on Sundays, ideological differences on several levels, and the University of Utah already gives the league a big footprint in the state. Then he finishes this off saying the Pac-12 should think about it just because BYU would make the conference bigger and bring in a ton of money and energy, but it won't happen. Then he has this prediction. The two will end up having a Notre Dame-ACC-type relationship. I think that would be absolutely wonderful if BYU could get a Notre Dame-type relationship with the Pac-12. And what I mean by that is, is Notre Dame, as many of you know, plays between five and six. I believe it's six games now. It started out as five. Six games contractually obliged to play against ACC schools every year in football. 
Uh, Notre Dame, to their credit, is a member of the ACC in all of their sports outside of football. Uh, maybe some other ones that are branched off that don't aren't sponsored by the ACC. But by and large, Notre Dame is an ACC school outside of the football element. I think BYU, even if they were to stay in the West Coast Conference for their, all their other sports, but to get an agreement in football with the Pac-12, similar to what Notre Dame has, whether it's five or six games, even four games, you take it. I think that would be an absolutely home run type of a deal for BYU football. As I mentioned, BYU would travel all over the place. If it were up to Pac-12 athletic directors, BYU would be a member of the Pac-12, in my opinion. That's just me speaking, and I think I'm speaking to the choir here when I say that, preaching to the choir. It's because they understand the business economics of college football. BYU brings eyeballs. They bring butts and seats. They bring a lot of money. I, I Absolutely. They have a huge, huge, huge alumni base that goes both locally, nationally, and internationally. There's a reason why BYU TV is able to be seen all over the world, guys. BYU fans are everywhere. BYU alumni are everywhere. It is a home run in terms of the dollars and cents things, but as Pete acknowledged, there's ideological factors at play when it comes to the Pac-12. They see themselves as more of a secular conference. Having a church-owned school be a part of the conference doesn't really fit with their ethos. Okay, you know what? So be it. You don't want us to be in the conference. You don't want to marry us, but you want to date us. That's kind of the analogy I'm making here. Don't want to marry us. Don't want us in the conference. But if you want to date us and let us play five, six, maybe even that minimum four games a year against your schools, whether it's two away, two home, whatever it might be, if I'm BYU, I sign on right away. I think that would be absolutely marvelous. And you know what? Maybe you see it as a tryout down the road. Maybe if the Pac-12, for some reason down the road, has a change in their philosophy and BYU does get into the conference, great. Maybe this is that tryout period to do it. But I think it's an absolutely incredible setup if BYU could get a Notre Dame-type alignment with the Pac-12. Tell the Pac-12, we'll play four, five, six of your teams every Every year, no matter what it is, we want three of them at home. If it's six teams, we want three on the road, and you can rotate them throughout the year. Do exactly what BYU, excuse me, do exactly what Notre Dame does with the ACC. They rotate through the conference on a regular basis. Do the same thing with the Pac-12. I think it would be marvelous for BYU. Let me know what you guys think. Reach out to the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at LockedOnCougars. Also, feel free to reach out via email, as I mentioned earlier on, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. And my personal Twitter feed, at Jacob C. Hatch. You can let me know your thoughts on this, because I think it would be a really, really cool thing if BYU could get such a scheduling arrangement with the Pac-12, because I think it would help BYU in many, many ways, and also would help the Pac-12. As I mentioned, BYU would bring a lot of attention and and a lot of butts and seats, and a lot of money to the Pac-12, even if it's, like I said, just a dating relationship, a casual dating relationship versus a marriage of letting BYU into the conference. Maybe you want, and you're going to be stand fast and say, I want in the conference if we're going to do this, but it's my opinion, I don't think BYU's ever getting in the Pac-12. I think the Big 12 is much more likely if conference expansion ultimately does occur, but for the time being, if you can get a scheduling agreement with the Pac-12, Go for it. Take it and run. I think it would be an absolute home run for the BYU football program. All right, once again, let me know your guys' thoughts on this on social media. Please respond. Let me know what you guys think. Coming up here in just a minute, we'll continue talking BYU football, but we're going back looking at 1946 for the BYU football program. Our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown 
rolls on. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at rockauto.com. Guys, absolutely love this company. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. What we love about rockauto.com is their prices are the same for everybody and they're reliably low. They always offer the lowest prices possible rather than going on changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everyone and does not require a membership or account login to get special pricing, guys. That's the best part about it. It's an online company serving auto parts customers for 20 years. It's a family-owned business. They want to make the process of making sure your car is in working order as simple as possible. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks and it's delivered directly to your door. Once again, rockauto.com has an incredible catalog that's unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all of the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and even the price points that you prefer. Take advantage of it now, guys. Go to Rock Auto and check them out. Check it out. Check out rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck. There are hundreds of manufacturers out there, and they have them all available to you guys. Right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you when you check them out. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out now at rockauto.com. Let's continue our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown now, taking a look back at the greatest seasons in BYU football history in order. And the greatest might be a loose term, but nonetheless, we're going to look back at them. And we're looking at 1946 today. This is the first year BYU participated in football after a three-year cancellation of their seasons due to World War II. Obviously, the war ended in 1945, and many of these men who fought in the war returned to campuses and obviously were looking forward to playing uh, competitive football. BYU, according to their banyan, in their yearbook that they put out in 1947, listed over 100 players signing up to try out for the football team under Eddie Kimball, who returned after an absence having served in the Navy for four years as the head coach of BYU. So obviously, Coach Kimball had a lot of guys to filter through, and many of them were guys who had played for BYU before the war in 1941 or 1942 before enlisting themselves, serving in the war effort, or just simply not playing playing during wartime. Well, 1946 really proved to be an up and down year for BYU. As a program, they had a winning record, a 5-4-1 overall record. They went 3-2-1 in the Mountain States Conference, finishing in fifth place out of the seven teams in the conference. Utah State actually won the conference with a 7-2-1 record, went 4-1-1, tying with Denver atop the conference standings. I would guess that Utah State probably got the nod considering the better overall record, but they were conference champions, I guess, tied in the conference standings with the Denver Pioneers. BYU, to their credit, did have a pretty good year. They opened up with a win over Western State, remaining undefeated against Western State with a 13-2 victory in Provo at home in their home opener on September 22nd. Then they suffered a three-game losing streak, losing narrowly to Montana State, 13-12 in Bozeman, going to Denver, losing 26-13. And then after that historic win over Utah in 1942, well, the Utes got right back on top, crushing BYU in Provo, 35-6 there at Y Stadium. BYU did bounce back with a big win over Colorado 10-7. The Buffaloes had long been a thorn in BYU's side, one of the top teams in the conference, and BYU got some revenge. Actually ended up tying with Colorado in the conference standings, tying for fourth overall. 
Then BYU went to San Jose State, lost at 14 to nothing. Then to finish out the year, BYU had a pretty good run here. They come back home November 2nd. The month of November kicks off with a 6-3 win over Wyoming. They tie Utah State 0-0 in Logan in an annual rivalry matchup. Then finish off the year with the Flourish, going to Colorado A&M, which is now what we know as Colorado State, winning 20-6. And then finishing off the year at Texas Mines, which is now UTEP, or what was then Texas Western for a time, UTEP Miners. BYU beat Texas Mines in El Paso 14-13, to a big win on the road to finish out the year, like I mentioned, with that 5-4-1 record overall. It's always good to see a team finish the season strong, and this is obviously a very tough year for many programs around the country. As I mentioned, you're trying to work back in a bunch of guys who are veterans who have been away serving in the war, some of them serving the Pacific Theater, where all kinds of issues plagued them, even in Europe. No matter where you served on whichever front in the war, many of these guys suffered all kinds of hardships. So the fact that Eddie Kimball was able to get the 36 guys out of the 100 plus who tried out. BYU kept 36 of them on the active roster. Well, those 36 guys put together a pretty good season, all things considered, after returning from the war effort. They brought guys from all over the country. As far away as New Jersey, guys were on this roster for BYU in 1946. Many of them had played during the war uh, for what we called the four teams, teams that played for military installations. Fort Douglas here along the Wasatch Front, one of them, but all over the country, many of these schools uh, provided players to the war effort. Many of them were standout athletes. So wherever they were stationed, they were playing uh, intercollegiately or I guess what you call semi-professionally for these wartime teams who are part of these different forts around the country. And just kind of an interesting dichotomy of guys coming back from the war effort, guys who may have been in school during this time and towards the end of their eligibility, and even new kids coming in, high school freshmen and the like, joining this team. Eddie Kimball, to his credit, was able to mold them all together and put together a pretty good product, all things considered, in 1946. Also, in the 1947 NFL draft, it was actually held in late 1946, three Cougars were picked in the NFL draft. Their one all-conference player, according to records, Reed Nilsson, who was the team captain, played center for BYU, was actually drafted in the 16th round of the 1947 NFL draft on December 16th, 1946. Go figure, they call it the 1947 draft when it's held in December of 1946. But we'll just leave it there. BYU sees uh, Reed Nielsen taken with, in the 16th round, pick 136 by the Detroit Lions. Then in the 19th round with the 171st overall selection, Scotty Deeds, a running back, was picked up by the Chicago Cardinals. And then finally in the 28th round, think about that, 28th round, the 257th pick, Dick Chatterton, who was a fullback for BYU, was picked up by the Boston Yanks. They were the three Cougars picked in the NFL draft. As far as I can tell, doing some quick research on this. It is the first time BYU had guys taken in the professional draft. Obviously, the NFL draft took on more importance as we get later on in this countdown. But cool to see three Cougars get their opportunity. And funny enough, 257 picks, well, that takes us through seven rounds now. Just think about how small the NFL was back then as a pro football league. They go 28 rounds to get to 257 picks. But nonetheless, really cool to see three Cougars get their chance in professional football. More and more will come as we move forward. But just one of those things that kind of stands out about this season in 1946. As I mentioned, Eddie Kimball had a lot of different moving parts he had to kind of mold back together, including getting himself situated. He'd been away in the war for four plus years serving in the United States Navy. So it was not an easy adjustment, I'm sure, for him to come home from wartime service and immediately resume his head coaching responsibilities. But it appears he did a pretty dang good job of it, bringing all these guys together, taking them from all walks of life, putting them onto the field, 
field and having a good season, all things considered. So there you go. That's the breakdown of 1946. We'll talk about 1947. And as I mentioned earlier on this week, I believe I've mentioned on the Monday podcast, uh, this is going to be an interesting period because a lot of wartime veterans are coming home from their service. They're using the GI Bill, which was built to help these wartime veterans go to school, etc. Many of them are older. We all kind of like to hear about those jokes. Or maybe not like to hear about them, but you hear about the jokes about BYU players being older in this day and age because of mission service. Well, very much in the late 1940s, BYU was not atypical with a lot of guys who maybe were in their mid to upper 20s having served in the war when they came back to college joining these college football programs. It'll take four, five, six years before they filter out and get back to more of a true collegiate sense of football, but nonetheless, BYU benefited from this, as did many other college football programs. We'll continue to talk about this as we talk about 1947 on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Cougars. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll catch you guys up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Tuesday. Um, Some notes on Carson Lundell's performance in the first round of the NCAA Regionals in men's golf. We'll get to all of that here in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Bet Online, guys. It is the fastest and and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, no matter what your interest is. Major League Baseball, NBA hoops, NHL hockey, even UFC and MMA action, they've got it all covered for you guys. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. It's betonline.ag is the address. And check out all of their great sporting news. You can see all the bonuses they're offering at any given time, as well as contest information. They always seemingly have four or five different contests that you can take advantage of. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs both to and in the playoffs. Head to the website of your user mobile device now to sign up today for free and also make sure to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. You heard that right. A 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit with betonline.ag. Take advantage of it now. It's free money courtesy of BetOnline as they are your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, let's catch you guys up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan before we go here on a Tuesday. Something I failed to note yesterday, and it actually came after I finished recording the Monday podcast, so I'll come forward and admit that I recorded early and did not catch this, but Elijah Bryant had a fantastic debut for the Milwaukee Bucks. Many of you probably know by this point that Elijah Bryant got out of his contract with Maccabee Tel Aviv over there in Israel, signed a two-year deal with the Milwaukee Bucks to join their roster ahead of the NBA playoffs. Well, no time like the present to make your debut on the final day of the regular season and did so with a flourish. Speaking of Bryant, really cool to see him get his opportunity to play for the Bucks. Had a great first outing playing for the Bucks in that game. In 32 minutes against the Bulls in the regular season finale, he scored 16 points on 6 of 13 shooting. He also added 6 rebounds and 3 assists as well as 1 block. He ended up plus 11 in the plus minus on the night, which led the Bucks overall. It's really cool to see that. Elijah Bryant wearing the number 3 that he wore at B. BYU suiting up for the Bucks. It's cool to see him finally getting his shot in the NBA, and man, it's going to be fun to see if he gets a chance here in the first round of the NBA playoffs to any degree as the Bucks take on the Miami Heat. The Bucks have aspirations of making another run towards the NBA Finals. They're, of course, led by perennial all-star and MVP contender Giannis Antetokounmpo, but still cool to see Elijah Bryant latching on in the NBA and hoping that he continues to show what he can do. There's a reason why the Bucks spent all that time money to get him out of his contract with Maccabee Tel Aviv to bring him over. They don't see him as a guy who's just going to be there for kicks and giggles. I think they legitimately think he could be a rotation player for them. And if he has 
performances like he did against the Chicago Bulls, maybe their belief is well-founded and it's showing dividends right away. So congratulations once again to Elijah Bryant on that fantastic debut for BYU. One thing to note tomorrow is one of BYU's top transfer targets is reportedly nearing a decision about where he will play his final season of collegiate eligibility. Former Milwaukee guard Tijon Lucas told multiple media members that he will announce his decision tomorrow amongst finalists of BYU, Utah, DePaul, Nevada, and New Mexico State. He's a six foot two guard who can really fill it up scoring wise. Obviously, he'll be a sixth year senior this year, using that free year of eligibility afforded to him by the NCAA. Be cool to see BYU finally land a guy they've been chasing in the portal. But as, as I have stated previously, BYU is not necessarily too concerned about striking out early on here because they really believe there's so much talent in the portal. They'll comb through it and find the right guy for them. I know that may sound like them putting a spin on it, but I think they legitimately think that there is a lot of talent out there that they can pick from and they're not going to sweat maybe losing a few guys who've more stars in their eyes and maybe find the right guy who's got kind of that hunger that chip on his shoulder and wants to come to BYU and help them build something that may be like I said a positive spin being put on it by BYU and by myself but hopefully BYU gets some good news on Tijon Lucas tomorrow uh, Dusan Mahorchich the big man from Illinois State he has had a number of recent offers from the likes of Florida it sounds like his decision was delayed it'll come later this week maybe the end of this week he'll find they make a decision, but I'm feeling more and more like these big offers coming in from him, Florida, etc. Maybe he's got those stars, as I mentioned, getting in his eyes a little bit, and BYU maybe kind of the back burner now for a guy like Dusan Mahorchich. Alright, other news for you guys to recap today before we go include uh, numbers for former BYU players now in the NFL. Let's run down what the numbers for the Cougars they will participate in during this spring slash summer with their NFL franchises. Zach Wilson, as we all know, is wearing the number 2. Brady Christensen, Carolina Panthers offensive lineman, wore the number 70 for Carolina. Kyrus Tong is wearing his number 95 once again with the Chicago Bears. Chris Wilcox moving to number 20. 29 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dax Milne will suit up in number 84 for the Washington football team. We the same number that Matt Bushman wears for the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm a big fan of number 84 mainly due to Randy Moss, but cool to see two Cougars wearing that number. Tristan Hodge wearing the number 64 for the New York Jets. Isaiah Kafusi wearing number 41 for the Indianapolis Colts. Chandon Herring will, number, will wear number 68 for the Tennessee Titans. Troy Warner wearing number 38 for the Los Angeles Rams. Zach Dott wearing number 93 once again with the Atlanta Falcons reprising his number at the collegiate level. And finally, excuse me, no, he actually wore 99. Excuse me, it was Brackenell Bakri who wore number 93, so he's wearing his teammate's number with the Falcons. And then finally, Zane Anderson, the only player, and i got to give him a tip of the cap on this, wearing a single-digit number, he'll wear number 6 for the Kansas City Chiefs. I wish more guys would take advantage of this, especially coming into the league. Why not get that single-digit number if you can get it? I think it's a fantastic pick by Zane Anderson to see him wearing the number 6, hoping that he gets a chance to really earn his stripes and earn a roster spot with the Kansas City Chiefs. In other BYU sports news, a tough day for Carson Lindell at the NCAA Championships Regionals out there in Clee Ellum, Washington. It's being hosted by the University of Washington up there near Seattle. Tough day for Lindell on the first day of competition, shooting a 74, tying him for 51st excuse me, amongst individuals there at the NCAA Regional. He'll need a strong two final rounds today and tomorrow if he has any hope of making the NCAA Championships as an individual competitor. Best of luck to him as he tries to make 
make up that ground, but not a great start for him up there in Washington. BYU baseball in action tonight. They're going to take on University of Utah in their final regular season matchup against the Utes. That first pitch is scheduled for 6 o'clock Mountain Time at Miller Park in Provo. The game will be broadcast live on the BYU TV app as well as online at BYUtv.org. The BYU Sports Network, BYU Radio 107.9 FM, BYUcougars.com will also have the live radio broadcast of the game. The Cougars are coming off a 2-1 conference series win, road win at Pacific. They're looking to get back to 500 as I mentioned yesterday. If they were to sweep all four games of the rest of the regular season that they have this week, BYU could finish the year 25-25 and 25 overall. The NCAA championships appear to be out of reach for BYU, but obviously closing the year on a high note would do very well for them. Hoping that BYU gets that opportunity uh, as they take on the Utes beginning tonight and also see a three-game set later this week against Pepperdine as they round out the regular season. And then finally, congratulations to Autumn Moffitt Core. She received her fifth WCC Pitcher of the Week award for the BYU women's softball team. They are headed to the Tempe Regional later this week. Congratulations to her on that award. She's absolutely been dominant, has been BYU's true ace this year. Uh, BYU as a team for the season collected 14 of the 26 WCC Weekly Awards given out this season while also winning their 12th consecutive conference title. Not all of those come in the WCC the last seven in a row have. BYU at one point, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but this is kind of a crazy stat. BYU softball at one point during this 12 consecutive conference championship run won four different conference titles in four different conferences in four different years. They were four for four for four. Absolutely incredible, but BYU having another dominant run and hoping they have a good showing down there in Tempe in the NCAA regionals later this week. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. Once again, thank you for your support, guys. It's a blast to be with you guys every single day talking all things BYU. We'll be back tomorrow continuing on with our 100 seasons of BYU football looking at 1947 and, of course, talking a lot more about BYU sports overall. It's the offseason, folks. We're going to have some fun nonetheless. Make sure you join us every single day. All right, that's going to do it. Have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for May 18th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.